This is the Influencers Network Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Craig. I'm the Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries. Uh, we are here at our home office in Bentonville, Arkansas. I'm here with Rocky Fleming, our founder. Welcome, Rocky. Thank you, Brian. We haven't done a, a podcast in a few weeks, and uh, it was time to, to get back into our booth here and uh, talk. Uh, we won't talk about me losing the recording device on my trip back <laughs> from Bakersfield, but uh, yeah. that's another story. Um, but no, we're uh, we're pleased to come and just uh, try to encourage you guys with uh, messages and scriptures and thoughts and also stories that we see of what's going on around the country. But uh, we uh, we were in Bakersfield a couple weeks ago, and Rocky got the privilege of speaking at the Bakersfield Prayer Breakfast, which we understand is the second largest prayer breakfast of its kind right. to the national prayer breakfast mm-hmm. would be the number one. Mm-hmm. Like twelve hundred men were there, men and women, and yeah. uh, forty years they've been doing that. Yeah, and uh, we, um, our board, wanted to bless everybody there and gave each person a copy of the Prayer Cottage in the mm-hmm. Sacred Garden, which was really cool yeah. to see those books all over the the tables. and uh, And Rocky did a great job, and we'll be sharing his uh, message with you in in come in a few weeks when we get a copy of the recording. We'll be sharing it with you guys. I think you'll enjoy it, but. Uh, We've been talking, uh, the, again, we just talk about things that are on our hearts and things we're seeing. And Rocky, you were uh, you were kind of struck, uh, maybe in keeping with the prayer breakfast, because um, we're all praying for our country and we're praying for this world. And, and we see some of the issues, any of us who are paying attention see that there's a lot of darkness and confusion and mm-hmm. the political scenes a mess, it seems, a lot of division and hatred and all that. And... Uh, as Christians, we're like, what do we do and what's our part? You know, and, and, and we know prayer is a big part and we, we should be praying for our leaders and, and those in power. And uh, something struck you, uh, hit you this morning. We were had our, our normal Tuesday morning prayer meeting that we have. And by the way, you all, anyone who's listening, join us Tuesday morning, 6.15 to 7.15 on Tuesday mornings. You can join us via Zoom. And uh, we, this morning we had 25 some people there. It was great. But but uh, someone quoted the, the verse that we quote all the time when we're talking about praying for our country. Mm-hmm. And I'll just read it. Sure. And then we'll, then we'll kind of unpack it a little bit. Right. Second uh, Chronicles 7, uh, there's a famous... Uh, verse, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. And that, like you said, that's been quoted many times. I can think of lots of things I've seen it, you know, anytime there's a prayer meeting, we do that. And it's a great verse. Um, But what, uh, why did it hit you a different way this morning? Why is it stirring me? Yeah, why is it stirring you? Well, uh, Brian, it's... when I say this, I'm kind of formulating my thoughts as I go. I'm, I'm, I'm really would say that I'm not as, as clear on this as I might normally be. There's a question that that pops up in my mind. Now, here's here's what I've observed about the quotation of that verse, and I have seen it quoted many, many prayer breakfasts that I have been to, other than this one that we were in Bakersfield. There was a different theme that was going on there, which I fully embraced, the theme of being peacemakers and mm-hmm. coming out of there being peacemakers. Um, but in all the other um, circles that I've been around this, uh, it's been used to pray for our country. Um, and it was almost like, okay, if we could get the country to repent, if we could get them to turn back, 
to God, then then God would favor the country. It would heal the country, heal of all the strifes and all the things that go along with that. Um, and and I and I read that and I think about this country and and there's a qualification in that. It said if my people will. And if you think about the the number of millions of people that in this country, that I, there's only a percentage of them that are God's people, and there are many others that are not. Different religions, different secular uh, persuasions, thoughts, uh, atheist, uh, every everything out there, and some people that might identify themselves as Christian because they're American, but really don't know Him. Mm-hmm. And so I, I have to qualify that and say, well, did we use that as a blanket, uh, uh, you know, blessing over the country if people would repent? Or do we look at it as the responsibility of the church in this country? Because we are God's people, right? Mm-hmm. We're his family. And so if it says if our country, our, I mean, not people, or the, the God's people, would repent and and turn toward him, then he'll heal the land. And so there begs a question then, <clears throat> what is it that we as God's church need to repent from if we're holding it back? And so I have another question and that is, well, what if this country has been going a contrary path from what the founding fathers had built this country on, which are precepts of God, under God. I mean, it's very, very clear the Founding Fathers were led inspirationally to find, to found this country based on God's uh, laws, His written word, and Him specifically. Mm-hmm. And um, and yet uh, we've gone away from that. I mean, there's been a an attack against that for several years now to move us out from under that leadership. And so when I when I see that, Brian, I ask the question, well, why would God want to continue to bless this country? Uh, maybe the blessing that he would bring to this country would not be to heal our land and to make it all happy and fuzzy again, but to bring some hardship to it, to cause people to turn their hearts and their eyes toward Christ, who is the answer. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we have a passage in Romans mm-hmm. that we read that has a, I think a, it relates to it, and maybe you can read that in Romans 8. I'll start it here in, in uh, yeah, this is Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that's to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. The creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, and sometimes it says frustration instead of futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Okay. So now we see a reason for futility. Now we see a reason that God would subject this country or, or the world to futility uh, so that what? So that what? The sons of God will be born. So people will come to realize who Christ is, to enter into that relationship with him through Jesus Christ. And it doesn't come by way of comfort, Brian. Mm. It comes by way of trial. 
and tribulation and challenges. And Jesus said it like this. He says, in this world, you will have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So he has never said he's going to remove us from it, has he? No. Well, let me let me uh, just going along with that train of thinking. Uh, actually, that if my people who are called by my name is preceded by another verse. Really, it's really it's the same sentence. It says, "When I shut it, when I God shut up the heavens so that there's no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people." if my people who are called by my name would pray. So if the land is subjected to its futility that God has talked about, and it's being spoken of in Romans 8, right? That's the wake-up call. Kind oh, okay. Of. Now, yeah. we're, now we're hearing it. Yeah. Wake-up call. Yeah. Uh, and so is it a blessing to get a wake-up call, or is it a blessing to just have everything copacetti and just go on and on and on, and let's deny God, let's deny Christ, let's deny the, deny the founding principles of this country, Let's just let it go where it's going. As and, and, long as we got a good economy, as long as we're making money, as long as we got our toys, everything's okay, right? And are, are you saying this in the sense that we as Christians might say, let's pray for everything to be good. Let's pray for everything to be hunky-dory, you know, and maybe we need to pray for God's will to be done, which might be hard stuff that will, will lead to real repentance, so it'll lead to real change in people's hearts. That would require a lot of courage, wouldn't it? To pray that way, yes. Yeah. And it would, it would require a big vision to see that. And, you know, Brian, we have persecuted brothers and sisters in China, mm-hmm. in Iran, in various places. I mean, how many millions did I read about a while ago? 250 million mm-hmm. that, are under, that are being persecuted right now. Yeah, of Christians in persecuted countries. And yet we see the, the purest form of faith. And, and we have heard their stories saying that, you know, we, we feel like we're privileged to pers- be persecuted in the name of Jesus. And we're seeing great uh, re- evangelism and revivals and discipleship in the face of persecution. And I ask the question, would this country be blessed? Um, would we see more Christians coming to the forefront to claim their their positions that they've been put into to be something very special to a persecuted nation, to a nation in tribulation, to see the body of Christ to be raised up for times such as this, to enter into these lives when hardships are here. Could that not possibly be the best period of the church in this country Mm. during that time? What if it's God's design to do that? His design is not to hear our prayer that says repent and then we'll heal the land and all that. No, he said, no, y'all way, you way beyond that now. No, we're going to have to go for another plan. And the plan is the redemption of these people. Mm. And it's going to be, it's going to be because they're going to see the idols that they've been following are letting them down. And they're going to be open to wanting to know the gospel. They're going to want to know this Jesus Christ. And this is where the church has got to be prepared. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Brian, one of the other things that brought this on was that I saw a movie this past weekend. It's an old black and white movie uh, back in the 40s. And, you know, a lot of the old uh, movies were about the war. Mm-hmm. And this one was about the 101st uh, Eagle, the Flying Eagles, uh, the Airborne Division that that was dropped into Europe uh, when when they had the invasion of Europe 
at Normandy and all of the on mm-hmm. Beach and all of that. And they were dropped in behind enemy lines. And they were uh, valiant, courageous soldiers. And um, and we have a lot of clips that come away from there, like, for instance, one of them when they said, you're surrounded by the Nazis, and, you know, and they sent a message, and if you'll surrender, you'll live. And they sent a message back and said, nuts. <laughs> and the Germans said, what does nuts mean? <laughs> that means we're not giving up. Not giving up. And then the other one I thought was great, and that is, uh, you know, that you are surrounded by uh, the Nazis, and we're, we're all, we've got you surrounded. And, and they sent back and said, we're airborne paratroopers. We were dropped in the middle of things. We live with being surrounded by the enemy. Uh-huh. And But here's one of the things that came in the movie that, that really— it kind of it kind of stirred me. There was this group of soldiers, and this was a true story, by the way. There's a group a group of the soldiers that went a, in an occupied area, and it was almost kind of like, what's the difference between the Americans and and the Germans? They're all in the same forest, right? Yeah. And so they they said, we've got to call in artillery around here to blow these people up. You know, we can't. They got tanks, and we won't be able to handle these tanks with our with our rifles, we don't have bazookas. We don't have the things that were airborne dropped into us, and we got to call in our artillery. And one of the persons said, "Well, you know, if they shoot here, they'll be shooting us as well." And they said, "Well, we'll just have to hunker down and uh, call it in." So they call the military in on them to kill the, the tanks that are all around them, and these men hunkered down. And I and I uh, I thought about that, and I was thinking about they were willing to even sacrifice their own safety for the cause of winning the war. Hmm. And I think that Christians nowadays have got to move into the reality of what we're raised up for. That we might have to call in some of the artillery. Hmm to come over this nation, and we hunker down. We have the shield of faith that covers us up. But there's a lot of enemy around us. And possibly if that happens, if God sees fit to bring some form of judgment on this country because we have we have strayed so far away from the precepts that bless this country so greatly, and it caused him to anoint us, and he could be pulling his hand away from the country but not the church. He's raising up the church for times such as this. And this is a time that real believers have got to, to understand who we are and how we are going to be able to serve in, in this day and time. And it might be that the shells are coming in around us and we have to hunker down with each other and hold those shields of faith up there. But God's going to protect his church. He's going to use his church. And from that standpoint, I believe his church will be used to turn eyes and hearts toward Christ. It might require a lot of difficulties for this country. It might require it. I hate to think about it because I have children and grandchildren that might be facing those same difficulties. But I will tell you this. If they have Christ in their life, then he will help walk them through it. You know, one thing that's come to my mind right now, Rocky, is that, um, and I'm a dad with kids, so I have concerns and all that, but we tend to want to pull our lives away from the world, like, and, and try to isolate ourselves from the world because we don't want to 
because we don't want to get yeah. shot upon. We don't want to get fall prey to the the world and, and the things that might happen in, in the world and all that, you know, so we, we tend to put our kids in private schools to get them away from the bad kids in the public schools, or we tend, some people go as far as to move away to the mountains to mm-hmm. try to get away from everybody, you know, and and I just don't think that's, there's nothing against private schools and all that, but I just don't know that, I think he wants us to be the oaks of righteousness and the lights in the darkness in the middle of all this, don't yeah. you think? Well, yeah, Brian, I mean, I've seen you and Missy uh, parent your your daughters and they've been in private schools and they've been lovingly parented by you and and, and that whole family mm-hmm. uh, for years now. But is it has it kept the 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 world out of your family's uh, mm-hmm. you know life? I mean, has it has it have you been able to isolate them from the threats that come at them? Yeah, you can't. I you mean, can't. And, and with the World Wide Web, the, the media and all that, it, it's just everywhere. It's invasive. It is, yeah. And the only thing you can do is try to help strengthen their relationship with Christ because mm-hmm. they have to make the decisions. They have to walk in the land that they choose to walk in. Yeah. And it will be the same way. Now, your your girls are 20 and under, except your oldest one, who's Natalie. Uh-huh. But the others are 20 and under, and you know, and they're young. And one day they'll be 30s and 40s, and they'll have a lot of life experiences at that point. And what they're learning right now is going to be carrying them during that time. Uh, this is a difficult time for pa- families such as yours where the, where the world is so invasive. And all I can say is just keep doing what you're doing. Well, and I, and I think just back to your analogy about hunker down, I think we as men, the spiritual leaders, the fathers have to put that shield of faith over our kids mm-hmm. at times because mm-hmm. they don't even know they're under attack. They don't even know their arrows are flying, you know, I mean, they yeah. don't even see it. Uh, maybe someday they'll appreciate that we were trying to, you know, but but a lot of times you have to just trust the Lord. We can't, we can't always be there. You, yeah. And, it, and, and it's a challenging time for the families nowadays and all the threats coming along. But you know, Brian, there's this other thing, and that is, you remember that saying, is that why walk timidly through life only to arrive safely at the end? Yeah. And honestly, I think a lot of people are trying to just survive and arrive safely, safely and comfortably at the end. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm 75 in April, uh, in March, excuse me. And um, and in thinking about that, that's kind of a milestone. And there are a lot of things that go on at that time in people's lives to think about, well, w- w- are you going to retire or uh, do you retire or can you retire? And, you know, how do you feel like continuing work and and all the other things? And, and you know, you've seen me moaning and groaning with all of the aches and pains that I've had and all that, especially when we travel. Mm-hmm. When, they, when we're in the airports, we have to walk through those. <laughs> you know, it's difficult, mm-hmm. you know. And and I've had some well-wishing friends say, well, you're 75 years old. You know, when are you going back down? You know, maybe you're the coast, maybe this, that, and the other. And uh, to me, I can't see that happening. And I'll tell you why. Because I think that there's a purpose. There's always a purpose for a believer to not trying to live comfortably. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we can finish this race and live comfortably. We're going to have to live in some ways sacrificially. We're going to have to live in some ways dedicated in such a way that we will get out of our comfort zones um, 
to get out of our chairs, to get from under the TV, to get out with people, to reach down and mentor, to reach back, help people see Christ as we've seen him, to be the church for the times such as we're in, to enter in people's lives who are hurting, who are desperate, um, who are ugly, sometimes who are abusive of us because they're not, they don't have peace and they people do have peace. Mm. And sometimes we have to take it on the chin. I think Jesus says, turn the other cheek. Forgive 70 times seven. I mean, we have to be the ones who are proactive in reaching out to people. We just can't wait for them to come to us. We can't just have our comfortable life around us. If we can just make it to the end, a few more years, make it to the end comfortably, then I can go to heaven and I don't have to worry about this old world anymore. I just don't think that's the attitude of the church. Hmm. I think the attitude of the church is that we've been given a sacred responsibility to make disciples. I feel like that we have been um, commissioned uh, to make a difference in this world. I think life ahead will be good for us when we come into our eternity. But I think until that time comes, we have a, we have to face Jesus one day and he says, how'd you live your life for me? How'd you use your time for me? How'd you use your resources for me? Um, and I want to be able to look at him and he say, you know, you did a good job. I'm, I'm happy with you. Mm. You know, I'm thinking about, uh, maybe I'm thinking about it because I just got to meet the author, but uh, there was a devotional uh, that David Nasser wrote called A Call to Die. And uh, when he when he wrote, he really felt strongly to write this 40-day devotional, but the publisher said no one's going to buy a devotional book called <laughs> A Call to Die, and they wanted him to change the name, but he wouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And 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 it was it's really great if, if you're looking for a 40-day fast, you know, really getting you in God's Word and all that. But, but isn't that really what we're talking about here, A Call to Die? If we really die to ourselves, it's the only way we can fully live, face this world and live the way Christ wants us to live sacrificially and all that. Don't you think there's a tie there? Well, I've heard it said like this, that Jesus's message was come and see, come and stay, come and die. Yeah. But there's another part, and that is come and live. Yeah. Because you have to die to live. And that's, that's, the, that's the irony of this whole thing, to be able to live this life on this world with significance and purpose and even joy that's amazing in the face of circumstances that will pull many people down. You have to die to yourself and live for him. But you will get you will get what he said he'll give you. And that's a peace that surpasses all understanding and a purpose. Hmm. But you got to die to yourself. That's the abundant life that yeah. Jesus said he came to give us. Yeah. But yeah, people don't want to do that little, that small little thing called die. Well, they're afraid yourself. of it because they think it's, it's going to be end badly. Mm. But it, this is where it doesn't end badly. This is when it re, it rebirths us into something really good. Mm. You know, the whole, the whole concept of baptism is, and you hear them say it all the time when you baptize them, I did and buried in Christ and to resurrect in newness, walk, walk in newness of life. Uh -huh. It's symbolic of the old things passed away, behold, new things have come. Mm. And we just get so hung up in, in dying, we don't ever understand that there is a resurrection, even in this life, a transformation uh, to become what we're called to be. There's a fulfillment of that.
that's been planted in us. It's been nurtured, and now it's got to be born. This is when the Son of God starts living on the outside of our life. I mean, I think it to me, it, it just ties right into what we do in the journey, which we help people understand, you know, what, who this God is, start abiding in Him, and then it doesn't make he doesn't make life easy. He starts trying to get get the old man out, and so he's mm-hmm. got to prune, he's got to sift, he's got to discipline, whatever he's got to do to try to help you get to that where the Spirit can come alive in your life. Yeah, and that's what we see in journey groups. I had an interesting conversation with one of my uh, journey guys. He's He's a new believer, actually, but he is just really committed and uh, he's loving word and loving to journal and loving discovery, loves, loves his forgiveness because he had a, a storied background and just loving being a son of God. And, and we started out with a pretty large group of, of guys that were really interested. And, uh, and it's, it's whittled down to we have a few that's left now. And uh, we're going into the mid, the mid part of it now. So he asked me, he said, are you real disappointed in losing these guys? I said, no, I expected it. He said, well, what do you mean? I said, it's the way it works. It's always been that way. It happened with Jesus. I mean, he, his, he had thousands and it whittled down to 11. <laughs> and, you know, and, I mean, it's always been that way that there's going to be those that like, it seems like a good thing, but when it gets down to the nitty gritty of sacrifice, uh, and surrender and death uh, to find that which he wants to give you, then yeah, you see some people checking out. He said, what do you do about that? I said, what did Jesus do when the rich young ruler came to him and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus told him, said, well, live all the commandments, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, well, this I've done since my youth. And he said, well, you lack this. Go and sell everything you have. Give it to the poor and come and follow me. And the man walked away. And I asked my friend, I said, what did Jesus do? And he kind of looked at me and says, he didn't do anything, did he? I said, nope, he let him go. And as you see, I think that in discipleship, we do the same thing. We pour into them. But if they turn around and walk off, we let them go. Because the ones who remain are the ones that he will build his church on. This is where we've seen the multiplication and the strength of leadership develop in influencers because of not the ones that came, it's the ones who stayed. Mm. The ones who stayed to the point when they were engaged in their intimate relationship with Christ and the transformation occurred, and now they're the ones he builds the foundation on. They are the foundation. Mm. And so it'll be the same way with any persecution of the church, Brian. And persecution can be as much as like we see in China and Iran where people are being killed and in some of the Islamic countries where they're beheading them and raping them and torturing them. It could be as bad as that or it could be as bad as not being able to pray publicly. You know, being kicked out of school because you don't like wear something that people want to have politically or because you're excluded because of whatever. Mm-hmm. It could be a small amount of persecution that loses your job or gets you shut out from popularity, as students often are. Persecution comes in various forms, but all persecution can be used positively to drive us closer to Christ. Mm-hmm.
And when that happens, then we begin to emerge as the man or woman that's a person after his own heart. That's right. And that's and that's the goal. That's mm-hmm. that's his goal. It's his goal. Yeah. And I and I think he's raising up influencers for such a time as this to be ready for these days that we yeah. live in and to be the people to help show other people the way. Well, we're messengers. You know, yeah. keep saying that all we are, but our message is clear. Personal abandonment, absolute trust. That's right. And, you know, it's about it's about the relationship with him and it's about not letting anything get in the way of that relationship. There are things that we have to release, let go of, to mm-hmm. move forward. But he's there welcoming us. And when we get into that proximity, then transformation occurs. And we ask, why did I hold on to it so long? Mm. That's right. Well, thank you, Rocky. I think that's uh, that'll get some people chewing on the on that Second Chronicles verse and uh, <laughs> thinking about their own lives. But uh, yeah, so I'd say all to you out there, just be praying. Be obviously you're praying for yourselves and your families, but uh, just let's be praying as a ministry that God has His way with us and will use us, and, and we won't get in the way. That we'll we'll die to ourselves so that He can use all of us that He's raising up. You know, and so you listening out there, you, you're part of this army that He's raising up right now. So uh, it's important, very important, uh, and hopefully He's helping you see your life and uh, through His lens instead of the old things you learned in the old days probably so anyway well we'll uh we're going to keep talking about new new topics and uh if there's anything you'd like to hear us talk about you can send us an email at podcastquestions at influencers.org and we'd be glad to consider talking about that um and again we uh we put these out about once a week uh and be looking for the message on the from the prayer breakfast that rocky spoke at a few weeks ago you guys will enjoy that as well anything you want to know about influencers go to our website www.influencers.org and we're trying to keep that up to date with all the, the latest and greatest stuff but there's a lot of a lot of amazing exciting things happening in this ministry and we feel very blessed and uh, again we just want to be an, an, a tool in God's hands uh, to help help the, the times we live in so anyway I'm Brian Craig Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries uh, this has been the Influencers Network Podcast and I'm going to keep encouraging you to abide in Christ and go make disciples God bless you